days after the Razek's arrival, Roran found himself pacing uncontrollably along the edge of his camp in the spine. He had heard nothing since Albrecht's visit, nor was it possible to glean information by observing Carval. He glared at the distant tents where the soldiers slept, then continued pacing. At midday, Roran had a small dry lunch, wiping his mouth with the back of his hand. He wondered, how long are the Razek willing to wait? If it was a test of patience, he was determined to win. So, to pass time, he practiced his archery on a rotting log, stopping only when an arrow shattered on a rock embedded in the trunk. After that, nothing else remained to do except to resume striding back and forth along the bear track that stretched from a boulder to where he slept. He was still pacing when footsteps sounded in the forest below. Grabbing his bow, Roran hid it and waited. Relief rushed through him when Baldur's face bobbed into view. Rowan waved him over. As I sat, Rowan asked, Why hasn't anyone come? We couldn't, said Baldur, wiping the sweat off his brow. The soldiers have been watching us too closely. This was the first opportunity, opportunity we had to get away. I couldn't stay long either. He turned his face over towards the peak above them and shuddered. You're braver than I staying here. Have you had any trouble with wolves, bears, mountain cats? No, I'm fine. Did the soldiers say anything new? One of them bragged to Morn last night that their squad was hand-picked for this mission. Warren frowned. They haven't been too quiet. At least two or three of them get drunk each night. A group of them tore up Morn's common room the first day. Did they pay for the damage? Of course not. Warren shifted, staring down at the village. I still have trouble believing that the Empire would go these lengths just to capture me. What could I give them? What do they think I could give them? Baldur followed his gaze. The Razek questioned Katrina today. Someone mentioned that the two of you are close, and the Razek were curious if she knew where you'd gone. Rowan refocused on Baldur's open face. Is she alright? Yeah, it would take more than the two of those to scare, reassured Baldur. He could t his next sentence was cautious and probing. Perhaps you should consider turning yourself in. Yeah, I'd sooner hang myself and them with me, Rowan started up. Stalked over his usual route, still tapping his leg. How can he say that knowing that they tortured my father? Catching his arm, Baldur said, What happens if you remain in hiding and the soldiers don't give up and leave? They'll assume we lied to help you escape. The Empire doesn't forgive traitors. Rowan shrugged off Baldur. He spun around, tapping on his leg. And abruptly sat. If I don't show myself, the Razak will blame the people at hand. If I attempt to lead the Razak away... Rowan was not a skilled enough woodsman to evade thirty men and the Razak. Arrogant could do it, but not me. Still, unless the situation changed, it might be the only choice available to him. Just as the waxing moon rose and subsumed the night shadows and beams of marble light, Rowan noticed a disturbance in Carvajal. Scores of lanterns bobbed through the darkened village, winking in and out as they floated behind houses. The yellow specks clustered in the center of Carvajal, like a cloud of fireflies, then streamed haphazardly towards the edge of town, where they were met by a hard line of torches from the soldiers' camp. For two hours, Rowan watched the opposing sides face each other, the agitated lanterns milling helplessly against the solid torches, 
Finally, the lambent groups dispersed and filtered back into the tents and houses. When nothing else of interest occurred, Rowan united his bedroll and slipped under his blankets. Over who she was supposed to serve next, Quimby was there, checking a, a cask that Morden said he had turned, and he tried to break them up. Rowan nodded, that was Quimby, always interfering to make people sh make sure others behave properly. Only thing is, a soldier threw a pitcher and hit him on the temple. Killed him instantly. Rowan stared at the ground with his hands on his hips, struggling to regain control over his ragged breathing. He felt as if Balder had knocked the wind out of him. It doesn't seem possible. Quimby? Gone? The farmer and part-time brewer was as much as a part of the landscape as a mountain surrounding Carvajal, a unique presence that has shaped the fabric of the village. Will the men be punished? Balder held up his hand. Right after Quimby died, the Razek stole his body from the tavern and hauled it to the tents. We tried to get it back last night, but they wouldn't talk with us. I saw Balder grunted, rubbing his face. Dad and Loring meant with the Razek today and managed to convince him to release the body. Soldiers, however, won't face any consequences. I was about to leave when Quimby was handed over. You know where his wife got? Bones. Bones? Yeah, every one of them was nibbled clean. You could see the bite marks. And most had been cracked open from the marrow. Disgust gripped Roran as he, as well, profound horror for Quimby's fate. It was well known that a person's spirit could never rest until his body was given a proper burial. Revolted by the desecration, he asked, What? Well, who ate him then? The soldiers were just as appalled. It must have been the Razak. Why? To what end? I don't think, said Balder, that the Razak are human. I mean, you've never seen them up close. The breast is foul, and they've always covered up their faces with black scarves. The backs are humped and twisted, and they speak to each other with clicks. Even their men seem to fear them. If they aren't human, then what kind of creatures can they be? Demanded Roman. They're not Urgles. Well, who knows? Fear now joined Rowan's revulsions. Fear of the supernatural. He saw it echoed on Baldur's face as the young man clasped his hands. For all the stories of Galvatorix's misdeeds, it was still a shock to have the king's evil roosted amongst their homes. Sense of history settled on Rowan. As he realized he was involved, with forces he had previously been acquainted with, only through songs and stories, something must be done, he muttered. The air had grown warmer through the night, until by afternoon Pankler Valley shimmered and sweltered with an unexpected spring heat. Carvajal looked peaceful under the bald blue sky, yet Roran could feel the sour resentment that clenched its inhabitants with malicious intensity. The calm was like a sheet stretched taut in the wind. Despite the aura of expectation, the day proved to be utterly boring. Rowan spent most of his time brushing horse's mare. At last he lay to sleep. Looking up past the towering pines at the haze of stars that adorned the night sky, he seemed so close, as if he hurtled among them, falling towards the blackest void. The moon was setting when Rowan woke. His throat raw from smoke. He coughed and rolled upright, blinking as his eyes burned and watered. 
The noxious fumes made it difficult to breathe. Rowan grabbed his blankets and saddled the frightened mare that spurred quickly as they went farther up the mountain, hoping to find clear air. It quickly became apparent that the smoke was ascending with him, so he turned and cut sideways through the forest. After several minutes spent maneuvering in the dark, they finally broke free and rode onto a ledge swept by a clean breeze. Roran purged his lungs with long breaths. Roran scanned the valley for the fire. He spotted it in an instant. Garvahal's hay barn glowed white in a cyclone of flames, transforming its precious contents into a fountain of amber motes. Roran trembled as he watched the destruction of the town's feed. He wanted to scream and run through the forest to help with the bucket brigade, but he could not force himself to abandon his own safety. Now, a spark landed on Delwyn's house. Within seconds, the thatch roof exploded in a wave of fire. Rune cursed and tore his hair, tears streaming down his face. This was why mishandling fire was in the hanging offense in Carvajal. Was it an accident? Was it the soldiers? Are the Razik punishing the villagers for shielding me? Am I somehow responsible for this? Fisk's house joined the conflagration next. By dawn... All the fires had been extinguished or burned out on their own. Only sheer luck in a calm night saved the rest of Carvajal from being consumed. Rowan waited until he was sure of the outcome, then retreated to his old camp, threw himself down to rest. From morning through evening, he was oblivious to the world except through the lens of his troubled dreams. Upon his return to awareness, Rowan simply waited for the visitor he was sure to appear. This time it was Albrecht. He'd Arrived at dusk with a grim, worn expression. Come with me, he said, more intense. Why have they decided to give me up? If he was the cause of the fire, he could understand the villagers wanting him gone. He might even agree it was necessary. It was unreasonable of him to expect everyone in Carval to sacrifice themselves for him. Still, that did not mean he was allowed to. He was allowed them just to hand him over to Razak, after what the two monsters had done to Quimby. Rowan would fight to the death to avoid being their prisoner. Because, Albrecht said, clenching his jaw muscles, it was the soldiers who started the fire. Morn banned them from the seven sheaves, but they still got drunk on their own beer. One of them dropped a torch against the hay barn on his way to bed. Was anyone hurt? asked Rowan. A few burns. Gertrude was able to handle them. We tried to negotiate with the Razak. They spat on our request that the Empire replaced our losses and the guilty faced justice. They even refused to confine the soldiers to the tents. So why should I return? Albrecht chuckled hollowly. For hammer and tongs, we need to help you remove the Razak. You do that for me? We're not risking ourselves for your sake alone. This concerns the entire village now. At least come and talk to Father and the others and hear their thoughts. I think you'd be glad to get out of these cursed mountains. Rowan considered Albrecht's pr proposition long and hard before deciding to accompany him. It's this or run for it, and I can always run later. He fetched the mare, tied the bags to the saddle, then followed Albrecht towards the valley floor. Their progress slowed as they neared Carvajal, using trees and brushes for cover, slipping behind a rain barrel, Albrecht checked to see if the streets were clear, then signaled to Roran. Together they crept from the shadow 
to shade, con con constantly on guard for the Empire's servants. At Horst's forge, Albrecht opened one of the double doors just far enough for Roran and the mayor to quietly enter. Inside, the workshop was lit by a single candle, which cast a trembling glow over the ring of faces that hovered about in the surrounding darkness. Horst was there, his thick beard protruded like a shelf into the light, flanked by the hard visages of Delwyn, Gedrick, and then Loring. The rest of the group was composed of younger men, Balder, Loring's three sons, Parr, Quimby's boy, Nolfero, who was only thirteen. They all turned to look as Roran entered the assembly. Horst said, Ah, you've made it. You've escaped misfortune while in the spine. I was lucky. Then we can't proceed. With what, exactly? Roran hitched the mare to an anvil as he spoke. Loring answered, the shoemaker's parchment face, a mass of contorting lines and grooves. We attempted reason with these Razak, these invaders. He stopped, his thin frame racked with an unpleasant metallic wheeze deep in his chest. <clears throat> they have refused reason. They've endangered all with no sign of remorse or contrition. He made a noise in his throat, then said with pronounced deliberation, They must go, such creatures... <laughs> no, Roran said, not creatures, desecrators. Faces scowled and bobbed in agreement. Dellen picked up the thread of conversation. The point is, everyone's life is at stake. If that fire had spread any farther, dozens of people would be killed, and those who escaped would have lost everything they own. As a result, we've agreed to drive the Razak away from Carvajal. Will you join us? Rowan hesitated. So what, what if they return or send for reinforcements? We can't defeat the entire empire. No, Horse said. Grave and solemn, but neither can we stand silent and allow the soldiers to kill us and destroy our property. Man can only endure so much abuse before he must strike back. Loring laughed, throwing back his head so the flame gilded the stumps of his teeth. First we fortify, he whispered with glee. Then we fight. We'll make them regret they ever clapped their festering eyes on Carl. After Roran agreed to their plan... Horst began distributing shovels, pitchforks, flails, anything that could be used to beat the soldiers and the Razak away. Roran hefted a pick, then set it aside. Though he had never cared for Brahm's stories, one of them, Song of Garand, resonated with him whenever he heard it. It told of Garand, the greatest warrior of his time, who relinquished his sword for a wife and farm. He found no peace, however, as a jealous lord initiated a blood feud against Gurren's family, which forced Gurren to kill once more. Yet he did not fight with his blade, but with a simple hammer. Going to the wall, Roran removed a medium-sized hammer with a long handle and a rounded blade on one side of the head. He tossed it from hand to hand, then went to Horst and asked, May I have this? Horst eyed the tool and, and Roran used it wisely. Then he said to the rest of the group, Listen, we want to scare, not kill. Break a few bones if you want, but don't get carried away. And whatever you do, don't stand and fight. No matter how brave or heroic you feel, remember that these are trained soldiers. When everyone was equipped, they left the forge and wound their way to up Carval to the edge of the Razak's camp. The soldiers had already gone to bed, except for four sentries who patrolled the perimeter of the gray tents. 
The Razak's two horses were picketed by a smoldering fire. Horst quietly issued orders, sending Albrecht and Delwyn to ambush two of the sentries and Parr and Roran to ambush the other two. Roran held his breath as he stalked the oblivious soldier. His heart began to shudder as energy spiked through his limbs. He hid behind the corner of the house, quivering and waiting for Horst's signal. Wait. Wait. With a roar, Horst burst from hiding, leading the charge into the tents. Roran darted forward and swung his hammer, catching the sentry on the shoulder with a grisly crunch. The man howled and dropped his halberd. He struggled as Roran struck his ribs and back. Roran raised the hammer again, and the man retreated, screaming for help. Roran ran after him, shouting incoherently. He knocked in the side of a wall tent, trampling whatever was inside, then smashed the top of a helmet he saw emerging from another tent. The metal rang like a bell. Roran barely noticed his loring dance past. The old man cackled and hooted in the night as he jabbed the soldiers with a pitchfork. Everywhere was a confusion of struggling bodies. Whirling around, Roran saw a soldier attempting to string his bow. He rushed forward and hit the back of the bow with his steel mallet, breaking the wood in two. The soldier fled. The Razak scrambled free of their tent with terrible screeches, swords in hand. Before they could attack, Baldur untethered the horses and sent them galloping toward the two scarecrow figures. The Razak separated them, regrouped, only to be swept away as the soldiers' morale broke and they ran. Then it was over. Rowan panted in the silence. His hand crept around the hammer's handle, and for a moment he picked his way through the crumpled mounds of tents and blankets to Horst. The smith was grinning under his beard. That's the best brawl I've been in years. Behind them, Carhalt jumped to life as people tried to discover the source of the commotion. Rowan watched lamps flare up behind shuttered windows, then turned as he heard soft sobbing. The boy, Nafalvro, was kneeling by the body of a soldier, methodically stabbing him in the chest as tears slid down his chin. Gedrick and Albert hurried over and pulled Nafalvro away from the corpse. He shouldn't have come, said Rowan. Horst shrugged. Yeah, it was his right. All the same, killing one of the Razak's men will only make it harder to rid ourselves of these desecrators. We should barricade the road and between the houses so they won't catch us by surprise. Studying the men for any injuries, Roran saw that Delwyn had received a long cut on his forearm, which the father bandaged. Even as he spoke, people congregated on the edge of the field, staring at what was left of the Razak's camp and the dead soldier. What happened? cried Frisk. Loring scuttled forward and stared at the carpenter in the eye. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. We routed them and caught them with their boots off and whipped them like dogs. I'm glad. A strong voice came from Bridget, an auburn-haired woman who clasped Navalfrel against her bosom, ignoring the blood smear across his face. They deserve to die like cowards for my husband's death. The villagers murmured in agreement, but then Thane spoke. Have you gone mad, Horst? Even if you frightened off the Razak and their soldiers, Galbatorix will just send more men. The Empire will never give up until they get Roran. We should have handed him over, snarled Sloan. Horst raised his hands. I agree. No one is worth more than all of Carval, but if we surrender Roran, do you really think Galbatorix will let us escape punishment for our resistance? In his eyes, we're no better than the Varden. 
Well, then why did you attack, demanded Thane. Who gave you the authority to make this decision? You've doomed us all. This time Bridget answered, Would you have let them kill your wife? She pressed her hands on either side of her son's face then showed Thane her bloody palms like an accusation. Would you let them burn us? Where's your manhood? Um, he lowered his gaze, unable to face her starker expression. They burned my farm, said Roran, devoured Quimby, and nearly destroyed Carvajal. Such crimes cannot go unpunished. Are we frightened rabbits to cower down and accept our fate? No, we have a right to defend ourselves. He stopped his outbreak and Balder trudged up the street, dragging the wagon. Look, we can debate later. Now we have to prepare, so who will help us? Forty or more men volunteered. Together they set about the difficult task of making Carvajal impenetrable. Warren worked incessantly, nailing fence slats between houses, piling barrels full of rocks for makeshift walls, and dragging logs across the main road, which they blocked with two wagons tripped on their sides. As Roran hurried from chore to chore, Katrina waylaid him in an alley. She hugged him and said, Well, I'm glad you're back and that you're safe. He kissed her lightly and said, Katrina, I have to speak with you as soon as we're finished. She smiled uncertainly, but with a spark of hope. You were right. It was foolish of me to delay. Every moment that we spend together is precious, and I have no desire to squander what time we have when a whim of fate could tear us apart. Rowan was tossing water on a thatching of Kislet's house so it did not catch fire when Parr shouted, Razak. Dropping the bucket, Rowan ran to the wagons where he had left his hammer. As he grabbed the weapon, he saw a single Razak sitting on a horse far down the road, almost out of bowshot. The creature was illuminated by a torch in its left hand, while its right drawn back, was drawn back as if to throw something. Roran laughed. Is he going to throw rocks at us? He's too far away to even hit. He was cut off as the Razak whipped down its arm, and a glass vial arched across the distance between them and shattered against the wagon to his right. An instant later, a fireball launched the wagon into the air, while a fist of burning air flung Roran against the wall. Dazed, he fell to his hands and knees, grasping for breath. Through the roaring in his ears came the tattoo of galloping horses. He forced himself upright and faced the sound, only to dive aside as the Razak raced in the carve hall through the burning gap in the wagons. The Razak reined in their steeds, blades flashing as they hacked at the people strewn around them. Roran saw three men die, then Horst and Loring reached the Razak and began pressing them back with pitchforks. Before the villagers could rally, soldiers poured through the breach, killing indiscriminately in the darkness. Rowan only Rowan knew that they had to be stopped, else Carvel would be taken. He jumped at a soldier, catching him by surprise, and hit him in the face with the hammer's blade. The soldier crumpled without a sound. As the man's compatriots rushed towards him, Rowan wrestled the corpse's shield off his limp arm. He barely managed to get it in free in time to block the first strike. Backstepping toward the Razak, Rowan parried a sword thrust and swung his hammer up under the man's chin, sending him to the ground. To me, Ron shouted, defend your homes. He sidestepped a jab as five men attempted to encircle him. To me. Balder answered his call first, then Albrecht. A few seconds later, Loring's sons joined him, followed by a score of others. From the side streets, women and children pelted the soldiers with rocks. Stay together, ordered Ron, standing his ground. There are more of us. 
The soldiers halted as the line of villagers before them continued to thicken. With more than a hundred men at his back, Rowan slowly advanced. Attack, you fool, screamed Razak, dodging Loring's pick fork. Single arrow whizzed towards Rowan. He caught it in his shield and laughed. The Razak were level with the soldiers now, hissing with frustration. They glared at the villagers from under their inky cowls. Suddenly, Rowan felt himself becoming lethargic and powerless to move. It was hard to even think. Fatigue seemed to chain his arms and legs in place. Then, from farther in Carval, Rowan heard a raw shout from Bridges. A second later, a rock hurtled over his head and headed to the lead Razak, who twitched with the supernatural speed to avoid the missile. The distraction, slight though it was, free Rowan's mind from the Sephardic influence. Was that magic, he wondered? He dropped his shield, grasped his hammer with both hands, and raised it far above his head, just like horse did when spreading metal. Rowan went up on his tiptoe, his entire body bowed backwards, and then he whipped his arms down. The hammer cartwheeled through the air and bounced off the Razak's shield, leaving a formidable dent. The two attacks were enough to disrupt the last of the Razak's strange power. They clipped rapidly... They clicked rapidly to each other as the villagers roared and marched forward. Then the Razak yanked on the reins, wheeling around. Retreat, they yelled, riding past the soldiers. The crimson-clad warriors sullenly backed out of Carvajal, stabbing at anyone who came too close. Only when they were a good distance from the burning wagons did they dare turn their backs. Roran sighed, retrieved his hammer, feeling the bruises on his side and back where he'd hit the wall. Bowed his head as he saw that the explosion had killed Parr. Nine other men had died. Already wives and mothers rent the night with her wails of grief. <laughs> How could this happen? Everyone come, cried Baldur. Rowan blinked and stumbled to the middle of the road where Baldur stood. Arazic sat beetle-like on a horse only twenty yards away. The creature crooked a finger at Rowan and said, You, you smell like your cousin. We never forget a smell. What do you want? He shouted. Why are you here? The Razak chuckled in a horrible, insectile way. We want information. It glanced over its shoulder where its companions had disappeared, then cried, Release Roran, and you shall be sold as slaves. Protect him, and we will eat you all. We shall have your answer when we next come. Be sure it's the right one.